afternoon, evening. Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast about the Kansas City Royals by a guy who is extremely tired. Do I sound tired? Because I'm really tired. I, I even slept, I'd like to say, fairly well and frequently over the weekend, but I don't know. Sometimes you just wake up more tired than when you went to sleep. Maybe that's just me. Something's wrong with me. And something's wrong with these royals. So we're a match made in heaven. No wonder why this team is so religious. Ha 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 ha. Too bad God hates me. Before we get into the games, there is a little bit of roster movement that we got to talk about. Michael A. Taylor has made his long-awaited return. I'm just kidding. I, I don't think a lot of people actually cared that much. Hey, Michael A. Taylor's having a, an alright year. I'd like seeing him. I'd like Michael A. Taylor. But he's back from the COVID list, finally. Um, so in his place... Um, Dyron Blanco was designated for assignment, which I'm kind of surprised by. That seems a little bit extreme. I mean, he only had a couple of games here, which, I don't know. In a way, I guess you can blame management for for that, for just kind of screwing him over. But, I, I mean, look, he was only called up as an injury replacement I don't think he was going to be getting any sort of a uh, opportunity if not. I don't know, man. He he's he's like a 29-year-old outfield. I don't I don't even know if you can call him a prospect. I was about to say prospect, but I don't even know if he was that. He's just he was just organization filler to be completely honest. Like in a way it's I guess a little sad to see someone just, you know, get released so quickly as as if like they never really got a chance to prove themselves and you know, I feel like the Royals couldn't you know, at least try to be surprised by some of the guys they have in the system, but I don't know. It's not something I have any strong feelings about one way or another personally. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess Blanco can come back into the organization, and you know, it's it's just to get him off of the forty-man roster, just to make room for MAT again. Even though I don't, I didn't know he he was on the 40-man roster in the first place. I, I don't know how it works. I'm not even going to get into that. Whatever. Uh, moving on. Um, Abreu, meanwhile, is here. Actually, maybe Blanco was DFA to make room for Abreu on the 40-man. Maybe that could be it. Um, yeah, so Abreu is on the 40-man and on the Major League roster, so all right. Uh, Foster Griffin was optioned in his place, which is just kind of a nothing move, really. Chris Bubich is back from his, uh, well, he, he wasn't on a rehab assignment or anything. He was uh, just optioned to uh, AAA a while ago. So he is back on the Major League roster, and Ronald Bolaños was optioned in his place, which um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I've been kind of okay with Bolaños. His last outing was pretty bad, but... I don't know. Well, I I guess I'll just say I'm indifferent about it. I've always felt like Bolaños can is worthy of a better opportunity, like in the starting rotation. But at least for now, they seem to have better solutions to the rotation. Because I I was saying that for Carlos Hernandez, um, that Bolaños should replace Hernandez in the rotation. I said that back in like April. They never did that. They were very slow to do anything with Hernandez, but. Uh, whatever. At least now it's in 
And at least now there are enough young guys in the rotation where I'm not like clamoring for Bolaños to get a an opportunity. It is what it is, I guess. So, yeah, no big, no like huge roster moves, I guess. Just MAT is back, Bubich is back, and yeah, all right. And so, since we last spoke, by the way, new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So make sure you're following and subscribed and things like that. And so, since our last episode on Friday, since we last spoke, the Royals played the Houston Astros, and they lost two out of three games. They lost on Friday, 3-10. to they won on Saturday 6-0 and then lost on Sunday 4-7. So all in all, I would say this was a pretty okay series. Not, it's not about winning and losing. No one cares. I just care about how well the team is playing relative to their record or previous success or whatever. Progress. You know, that's what it's all about. And so I would say that this was a very okay series because there was one good game that I liked. There was one bad game that I hated, and then there was an okay game that was, for the most part, acceptable, but there was some dumb stuff that occurred anyway, because Royals, they just love having dumb stuff. So, um, the bad game was, of course, on Friday, where we lost 10-3, to absolute uh, terrible, not good. Uh, Brady Singer was on the mound, he... Pitched five innings and gave up seven runs. Four of them came in the fifth inning, and he gave up three home runs. So the the, the Astros uh, enjoyed playing him quite a bit, I would say. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, in particular, really enjoyed uh, his time in Kansas City, celebrating the six-year, $115 million extension he just got. From the Astros, he then went on a tear, going 7 for 11 over the weekend. Seven hits, uh, two walks, and one hit by pitch, and two home runs. It was, uh, yeah, and a triple. Pretty, uh, pretty great weekend for Jordan Alvarez. I'm so... Happy for him. That was a lie. Could you tell? I'm not happy about it. In any case, Brady Singer, yeah, he was he got hit around. He got whacked around quite a bit. Just not a good not a good day for him. Not a good day for a lot of guys, I guess. So uh Yeah, that was a pretty bad day. There the only reason why we got three runs in the first place. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong game. There. The the reason why we got three runs in the first place is thanks to Bobby Witt Jr., who hit his seventh home run of the season, scoring all, all three of those runs. So that's cool. At least the home crowd got something to watch, something to cheer for. Bobby didn't have a particularly great weekend, but it's all right. You got that three-run home run, and that's pretty cool. That's what we like to see. But... Yeah, the actual good game came on Saturday where we won 6 to nothing, And it's kind of thanks to Chris Bubich throwing five scoreless innings. And that's pretty cool. 
And um, there's something I want to mention with Boobich, but I, I'll wait for a bit because it's it's a, it's going to be another Cal Eldred rant. I'm just going to say it right there. I don't know what else. I mean, there's nothing else to talk about with the Royals. It's literally just, is Cal Eldred fired yet? No. Okay, so we lose two out of three games. Is Cal Eldred fired now? No. All right. I mean, it's only it's only a matter of time before it happens, and we've been saying that since like 2019 or something. So, ooh, ooh, we might be here for a while. But Chris Bubich got five scoreless innings, and the bullpen fort pitched four scoreless innings, which is nice. Um, nothing really to say there. Uh, Chris's start goes well with Heasley's start, which was on Sunday. This was an okay game because. Heasley went six innings and only gave up three runs in his start. He did not pitch particularly well, but giving up three runs against this Astros offense is solid. I, I mean, really, six innings, three runs is all you can ask for from anyone, anybody. But Heasley especially, I think that the expectation to this guy is that he's not going to be like a great pitcher necessarily, but he can come up and do his job as like an innings eater. If he can just come up and throw six innings reliably, that would that is that would be perfect. Like that would be great. I mean especially because the Royals don't have a six inning guy. They just which I feel like will they can eventually if they ever, you know, just throw more strikes and stop the stupid strategy that they have. Uh, normally, um, but Heasley, he's not a guy who just gives up these long at-bats, and that lets him throw more innings, but the Royals, they just don't have guys who throw lots of innings, usually an average start is like 4.2 innings for the Royals, so any anybody throwing six innings at any time is great, and if Heasley can be that guy to just throw six innings every start, that would be wonderful. For us, it would absolutely be amazing um, because we just don't have we don't have any of those guys right now. So I, it's a, it's a little early to say that Heasley is the guy who can do that reliably because he's he hasn't thrown he hasn't had a lot of starts, but he has gone back to back starts going six innings. So that's great. That's some good news. That's what we want to see. That's progress. You know, he, he again, Heasley doesn't have to pitch well. He doesn't have to be like a low ERA guy, a, a shutout dominant guy, you know. But he can. He, he's not going to strike out a lot of guys, but he will at least keep the walks down. He'll at least throw enough strikes to, you, you know, not have those super long at-bats that plague so many other of the Royals pitchers and or in those walks that just allow... You know, it's wasted at-bats, basically. Wasted batters and things like that. Just runs up the pitch count. Makes them throw less innings and things like that. Yeah. Heasley is a lot more efficient, it seems. So, six innings. 102 pitches, by the way. 100 pitches is... I don't know how many times we've seen that this season. Because that's another thing. Royals don't throw a lot of pitches. Usually because Mike Matheny just says otherwise. He says, no, if you've got guys on base, you don't get to throw more pitches. So. But, really solid start from Heasley, and I'm, you know, it's not like an amazing stat line. Again, six innings, three earned runs, five strikeouts, two walks. It's like, 
eh, it's like an okay stat line. But against this Astros offense, it's pretty good. And again, it's all that we ask for. Um, so that's fine. And I would have been okay with just losing Sunday's game 4-3. to three. That would have been absolutely wonderful. Like, I, I really would not have a problem with that. Like, we went up against a good team. We got a good start from our guy. We couldn't put up enough offense because they had one of their best pitchers, Framber Valdez, and he was pretty solid. Um, but it is what it is. However, um, we had to have some dumb stuff happen later on, which is particularly when the bullpen came in. Not exactly when the bullpen came in immediately because the first guy who came up was Jose Quas, who is right now probably my favorite Royal. I love watching this guy pitch, and I love what he's done for us so far. He has yet to give up a run. He's only had three outings. Only thrown three innings, so it's not. let's not get carried away and say this guy's like a godsend for the team or anything. But I'm, I'm really happy with him so far. He's been wonderful. He's been a very pleasant surprise in a year where we don't have a lot of pleasant surprises. Erodis Vizcaino came in, couldn't even get an out, so gave up two walks and a hit, and uh, that allowed the runner to score. That sucks. Um, yeah, not, like, too mad about it. That's not necessarily the nonsense I was getting at. Uh, he was relieved by Dylan Coleman, who actually got three strikeouts in a row, so that was pretty cool. And Colin Snyder came in. And Colin Snyder is a guy who is terrible in clean innings. Coming in with no guys on base, he's just not good whatsoever. But he gets two outs. And it's like, oh, well, this is a nice surprise. This is pretty okay. I'm reasonably content with this. And then Jordan Alvarez steps up to the plate. Now, Alvarez like I said, has had a great series so far. He has already hit a home run in this game. In fact, he hit a home run in the previous inning. He demolished a baseball in the eighth inning of this game. It was one of the most impressive home runs I have ever seen hit in Kauffman Stadium. The distance on this thing was 456 feet, which is impressive it's not like jaw dropping though but the thing is like distance is kind of screwy with that where sometimes you will see a jaw dropping home run and it'll look like it was just blown out of the stadium and then they say 456 and it's like that's it are you sure i would have thought it it was like 470 it went to the freaking it went to the miller it went to the fountains bar it cleared the seats and, and bounced into the fountains bar. Like, that is a rare sight for Kaufman and the Royals, for either team. It is extraordinary. This was a, a, an absolute blast. Okay, so, you know, a little bit scary to see Alvarez, but, like, I don't know, does it, does it really matter that much? It's not, not like, I mean... It's only a run-run game at this point. We're losing four to three, but you know we're losing, and it's like not a—it's not a big deal if we lose or anything. Like, what what what's the worst Alvarez is going to do in this situation? He, he, there's nobody on base, right? And it's two outs. All right, 
However, because the Royals have to try hard everything, even though they're not good enough to try hard everything, Cal Eldred just takes a jolly old walk to the mound and gives a little pep talk or whatever he does when he's on the mound talking to his guy. He says something to him, to Snyder, something about something. I would like to assume it was about pitching. And two pitches later, Colin Snyder hits Jordan Alvarez. He and, and I think the the other pitch wasn't close either. And then Snyder completely derails, completely blows up, gives up three hits in a row, and three runs score. Although one of them, I think, was be, thanks to uh, Albert Abreu, who made his Royals debut in this game. He also gave up a hit, and he gave up a walk. Turns out, um, a guy who's been walking 12 guys through nine innings this season um, isn't all that helpful to the Royals, but whatever. I didn't sign the contract. I don't have the the information that the front office guys do. I'm not the big brain who's like, hey, we should have Albert Abreu on our roster. Ooh, that's going to turn the season around. Wow. So, Snyder, his, uh, his good outing is completely ruined. His momentum that he had this inning completely destroyed, crushed, thrown in the garbage. Right after one of those good old Cal Eldred mound visits. Like, it's it's so comical how Cal will walk to the mound and then immediately after everything is ruined. Or at the very least, if it wasn't ruined before, it's just made so much worse. He just shows up and ruins and destroys everything that we're doing. I don't, I don't get it. I want to go back to Bubich's start on... Saturday, because what he talked about after the game, he said what he was doing in that game is he was throwing, he was mixing his pitches differently than he had before. That is what he worked on in Omaha. And so TLDR, he was throwing his fastball less. He was relying less on his fastball. And this just confirms to me my theory about why Cal Eldred is so bad. Because Eldred's approach to the game and the approach that he instills in all of our pitchers seems to be throw your fastball as much as you can at least 50% of the time and also throw around the strike zone. Not in the strike zone, but like kind of a little bit around the strike zone so that you can get the hitters to chase. And if the hitters chase it, they'll either get really poor contact or miss the ball entirely, whiff entirely. That seems to be the thing that Cal Eldred is telling all of his guys because that's just the way Royals pitchers pitch. That's just how they throw the ball. That's how they approach hitters. Rather, they don't approach hitters. They, they they pitch around them as far as they can because, again, they're trying to get them to chase. Except this solution doesn't work because they know not to chase these pitches. The, and, and, oh, my God, this what Boobage said 
just makes it clear as day that Cal Eldred has no idea what he's doing. Again, like, like Bubich's solution that he learned in Omaha is throw the fastball less. That lines up perfectly with what Jacob Junis is doing in San Francisco. He's throwing his fastball less. He's not throwing anything differently. He didn't unlock some kind of dormant power that had been within him all along that we just didn't know about. Like, he, he didn't reinvent himself. He's just approaching the game differently. And that has made a world of difference. And so, I'm not necessarily saying the same is going to happen to Bubich or whatever, but at the very least in this one start, you know, he throws the fastball less and oh wow. Oh wow, he doesn't give up any runs in 5 innings against a, a, a terrifying lineup. Just what what do you think that like like that just it really just says to me that Cal Eldred has a horrible approach to every game and every hitter. I don't know what he goes on what he tells guys what on in mound visits, what he goes out to their tell to tell them. I don't know. It's but I would just like to imagine that it's the same old stuff. Like oh, pitch around, don't don't throw in the zone, go around him, because Colin Snyder again wasn't even close to the zone, nowhere near the vicinity of the zone, and he hits a batter just instantly. It. it, it, it I, I don't, I don't, wow. it's just so frustrating watching this happen because it feels like it is the literal difference between the Royals being good and being bad. Like, I have not given up on this 2018 draft. I, I know lots of people want to say, oh, the 2018 draft, all bust, Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, uh... Uh, Jackson Kowar, and even the guys we haven't seen yet, Jonathan Bolin, Asa Lacey, Austin Cox, Jonathan Easley, even he, he technically counts, he was dropped in 2018, even though it was like 12th round. Um, you know, I haven't given up on these guys, because I just don't buy into, I, I, I cannot agree that these guys all develop in the minor leagues very quickly, rise through the, the the ranks, the leagues very quickly, and come into the major leagues as top 100 prospects, several of them did, and then suddenly just pfft, nothing. Like, that that makes no sense. And then they go back down to AAA, and they're st- they still got it. They st- they're still good. They're still effective. They just come back up to the major leagues and... Pfft, they pitch it. Not, not only are they are the results bad, but the way they pitch is completely different in the major leagues. So, again, Chris Bubich just said he he just learned how to mix his pitches differently. Just do a, just do something differently. Just don't throw the fastball all the time. Then you go up to the major leagues and and Cal Eldred is just like, oh, fastball. Everyone throws fastballs. That's the most common pitch. Throw your fastball like all the time, because. I don't know. I said so. I don't know. I don't know why anyone would listen to him. I don't know why any any pitcher on this roster would like take him seriously or listen to him at all. Like if 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 he walked up to me and was like, "Hey, uh, throw in the shadow zone," I'm, I'd just be like, "I'm already doing that. It's not working." You got any other ideas? No, there are no other ideas. Eldred has no other plan. 
He has this one plan. And I actually have a theory about it. It's a theory that is so stupid that it, there's no way this should be right. But because it's Cal Eldred and it's because these it's the Royals, it kind of I feel like I'm onto something. I feel like Eldred has modeled his entire strategy after the Royals' own hitters. Because you know what I'm talking about how pitchers will throw around the zone and try getting hitters to chase? Well, you know who's chasing pitches more than anyone else? The Royals! They love to swing at the shadow zone. That, that, that you know, there's the strike zone and then there's kind of like an area around it where, you know, those borderline calls might happen and you kind of get some chases every now and then. Yeah, that's they call that the shadow zone, I guess. All right, the Royals always try swinging at that. That's what they've done with Terry Bradshaw. Um, Alex Zumwalt has kind of put an end to that. He's, he kind of said, stop. Stop doing that. Stop swinging at pitches in the shadow zone. Swing at pitches that you can actually hit. And it has been a lot better so far. But with Bradshaw, yeah, that's how that's how we would hit. Just swing at everything that's remotely close to the zone. And I feel like Cal Eldred has looked at that and been like, Oh, that's how we should pitch. <laughs> Not knowing that this was a terrible strategy for the hitters, and it's a terrible strategy for pitchers as well. Like, like that's it's so stupid. Like, like seriously, it's so dumb. There's no way, right? There's no way. Come on. There's no way Cal Eldred looked at the Royals hitters and, and was like, oh, we're gonna make all of our pitchers pitch as if they're facing the Royals lineup. So we can strike out the Royals lineup, you know, the bottom five lineup in baseball. <laughs> like that, 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 there's no way. But at the same time, you look at what they're doing and it's like, am I, am I crazy for thinking that that's a possibility? <sighs> anyway, I don't usually believe in magic button solutions, which is to say, with a complex problem, lots of people will point to, like, a singular thing and be like, oh, that's the reason why. Like, just, just just to name an example, with this front office and the management of the Royals, a lot of people like to just point out the religiousness of some of the people in the organization. Dayton Moore, Mike Matheny, some of the players like Ryan O'Hearn, they just point out, oh, they're Christian. That's it. That's why. That explains Everything that's wrong with the Royals, it all it's all because they're just they, they're trying to make the team a, a weird religious cult or something like that. Like, dude, half the population in America is Christian. That, that, that is not the gotcha that you think it is. OK, it's not just no, that's not what's going on. There are lots of reasons why the Royals are struggling. OK. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. I like to, I've been, God, I've had to hear about this for like five years. I'm, I'm done with it. I don't want to even engage with it anymore. It's just, anytime I see this, this thing getting shared around, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not even going to touch this. Anyway, I just bring this up because again, it's like people just look at the, the Christianity and they're, and they're like, oh, that's, that's, that's the, that's the reason for everything. That's why everything is wrong. They look at the 2018 anti-porn seminar and it's like, boom, if it weren't for that, everything would be so much better. 
right? That's what I call a, a, a magic button solution. Just, oh, get rid of this thing and suddenly all of our problems will be fixed, right? Just like how some people might say, if you remove Dayton Moore, all of our problems are suddenly fixed. Or if you remove Mike Matheny, all of our problems are suddenly fixed, right? I don't usually buy into those things because, again, these issues are a lot more complex than just saying, well, it's one guy's fault, right? But with the pitching at the major league level, I genuinely think it's all because of Cal Eldred. It is this one guy's fault. And just replacing him would be, I feel like that would fix, a, at the very least, a lot of our issues. Maybe not everything technically. But I just don't understand how anybody in this organization, at any level, can look at what's going on at the major league level and say, yeah, this is fine. Let's let's keep going with this. I don't get it. I would like to think that Bubich's quote where he was talking about, you know, what he learned in AAA and working with the, the his uh, coach in AAA or coaches, I would like to believe that that was a subtle knock on Eldred and what they're doing at the major league level. You know, him just being like, oh, I didn't know what to do at the major league level, but then I go to AAA and it's like, oh, I'm actually getting the coaching that I really needed. Now I know how to pitch properly at the major league level. No thanks to anybody at this level or anything like that. I'd like to think that, but who knows? I don't know, man. It sucks. It's bothersome. It's really annoying. Mm. And, yeah, and it, that's why it's hard to talk about the Royals, because it's like, you, you just kind of look at it and think, okay, it's never going to change, it's never going to get better un until this is finally over and done with, until this is fixed, but, man, I didn't, I know, I always hate having to talk about Kel Eldred, because it's just, it's every single day. Basically, it's like, okay, we got to talk about Cal Eldred and we got to talk about why he sucks. It's just, there's just a mountain of evidence pointing out why he's bad and basically nothing to suggest why he's good. <laughs> there's just nothing to, there's no, like, like, what has he done? Like, okay, maybe he kind of uh, helped out Homer Bailey and Trevor Rosenthal and, and I guess you can give him credit for Brad Keller. Because Brad Keller was nobody and then came into the Royals and suddenly is a solid pitcher. But, yeah, so sure, he has a couple of W's, but a lot of L's to go along with it. I guess that's a microcosm of the Royals themselves. Sure, they win some games every now and then, but... Hmm. Anyway, let's end this on a happy note. Something to look forward to. Something that I'm excited about. I am excited... For a salvy summer. And I think that the conditions are looking right for a good, festive, happy, salvy summer. Over these past three days, Salvi went four for 11, got one walk, only struck out four times, which is kind of all right for him, and hit two home runs, which uh, amounted to six RBI, which is... Wonderful. You know, we've, we turned around on Salvi real quick because Salvi had a, a really bad start to the season. Then he came back from the injured list and wasn't like great. And then he uh, still, I guess, hurt his thumb 
or whatever, and it's and he and he was like openly saying like, "Oh man, my thumb hurts real bad, and it's kind of tough to swing." And then you see him, and it's like, "Yeah, it looks like you're having a little bit of trouble there, buddy. You wanna t- like take a day or a week off from hitting before you strike out another five times." You know, that's how we all felt it. But, you know, the Royals themselves, they, they, they just cannot learn to let go. They cannot learn to just say, hey, if you're not playing at 100%, if you're not capable of playing at 100%, then maybe we shouldn't play you 100% of the time. So the Royals are like, no, Salvi's a fighter. He's going to get through this. And so we're just going to send him out to bat every single day, even though he's not batting very well and then and they're also going to put him at them at cleanup they're going to have him batting fourth wow great just what we want but in this in this houston series he actually he actually kind of proved us wrong he silenced the haters and had a solid series two great home runs that just makes me think maybe Maybe it's not so bad for Salvi, and maybe he's finally heating up, and we can see a nice, fun Salvi summer. Because, let me tell you, Salvi is one of the most fun players to watch in baseball. I just love the way he plays. I love the way he hits. Yeah, sure, he strikes out a lot and doesn't walk a lot. Who cares? You know what's fun? Seeing someone try pitching away, pitching out, some throwing something outside of the zone, and then seeing that ball go into the fountains. That's satisfying. I love seeing that. That's what Salvi does. That's what he can do. And, yeah, it's great. That's what makes him so fun. Because when he is on, he just seems unstoppable, like he was last year. And... The thing is, if he's not doing that, if he's slumping, yeah, it it can get real ugly. It looks real bad. But maybe, hopefully, this series is him warming up. And again, we'll have a nice, fun, salvy summer. We'll see lots of dongs. You're going to need to bring in a, a poncho and an umbrella. And Can you bring umbrellas into Kauffman Stadium? I have no idea. Do um, maybe umbrellas count as weapons where you could just like whack someone with it, just like or something like that. Or if uh, or you you could uh you could hurt someone with an umbrella if you've seen the anime Another. I'm not gonna go into detail about that, but let's just let's let's just leave it at that. Anyway, uh, maybe don't bring an umbrella to Kaufman Stadium. All right, so. That's about it. That's about all I've got to say. Uh, I'm tired. I'm. I think I'm gonna go to bed. It's uh eight a.m. So I'm I'm just gonna sleep until six p.m. and then wake up and watch the Royals take on the Blue Jays. Yay! We are playing the Blue Jays, another great team with an absolutely staggering offense. Although funny enough, the Blue Jays aren't leading their division like the Astros are, because instead the Yankees decided that they want to be the best team in baseball this year. How fun! Anyway, Daniel Lynch is going to take the mound today. Uh, and we've got Ross Stripling who, uh, for the Blue Jays, who was having a pretty average year. 
so far. Uh, five starts, although 13 games. I guess he started in the bullpen before uh, moving back to the rotation. 4.22 ERA. So I think this can, this can be an okay day. Hopefully Lynch takes a, a bit of a step forward, makes some progress again after a, a couple of uh, poor outings that he's uh, had lately. Not not been great for Lynch, but, you know, I, I still have hope. I still I still see the good in him, and I'm still hoping it'll be great. And then we've got Brad Keller and Brady Singer up after that. The Blue Jays are going to have Alec Manoa and Yusei Kikuchi, who I didn't even know was still around. That's cool, I guess. Um, I'm a, in, a, in a way excited that we don't have to face Kevin Gosman because Gosman is having a terrific year. He's the guy who literally never walks anybody ever. Uh, however, Alec Manoa is the actual ace of the Blue Jays this year. It's only his second year in the majors, and he was uh, only placed eighth for Rookie of the Year last year, just getting a couple of uh, lone votes. But this year, he is absolutely on fire. He has a sub-two ERA through ten starts. So, yay! That's what we want to see, isn't it? Oh, boy. Have fun. Have fun, Royals. We'll talk about it whenever we get there. Actually, we won't talk about... Okay, that's going to be Wednesday's game. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, Thursday's game will come later on Friday's podcast. But for the Manoa and Stripling games, we'll talk about those whenever we get there. Hopefully, some better news will occur. And maybe I won't be so tired on another podcast. I don't know, man. Anyway, I guess I'll see you around. Thanks for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I would love to hear from you at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. I'm Lux, and go Royals. <laughs>